This is the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. If you've been part of this church for a while, you know that I've mentioned at different times that Mother's Day always presents a dilemma for pastors. And those of you that have been pastors, you know this. On one hand, we want to and we need to honor our moms. Motherhood is honorable. And on this day, we do want to honor our moms. And this morning, uh, before the cemetery was even open, I drove out there and um, went over there to my mom's uh, tombstone and just spent some time honoring her. And the sun was just starting to to rise, and it was just quite a setting there. But um, we do we do honor moms. But for those who have lost their moms, for those who have had moms that were less than honorable, for those who have had moms that were absent physically or emotionally as you were growing up, for for you ladies that so desperately maybe wanted to become a mom but factors didn't allow that to happen, I recognize that Mother's Day is tough. And so the dilemma every Mother's Day is, how do I as a pastor approach this day? Well, today, while we do honor our moms, we're going to continue our series of messages that we began last week. It's it's a series of messages that we're calling, After We Fall Asleep. But as I said last week, this series has nothing to do with falling asleep physically like some of you did last week and probably will do so again. But nearly 40 times, the Bible refers to death and dying as falling asleep. And so we're looking to the Bible to see what happens after we take our last breath. And just a quick review, last week we we talked about some very basic information, such as death is certain, Uh, there are many ways to die. You may die uh, of a disease, and they've identified over 100,000 different diseases that you can catch. You may die due to old age, uh, as the lady in Japan two weeks ago, she died at the age of 119. You may die through an accident. It could be a car accident, or as we talked last week about the man that died when a cow came crashing through his roof and landed on him. We say taxes and death are certain. You can cheat your way out of taxes, but you can't cheat your way out of death. And then last week we learned that there are two judgments after death, one called the Great White Throne Judgment, which most scholars feel is for unbelievers, and then the other judgment is the judgment seat of Christ, which would be for Christians to help determine the rewards that they will receive. And as always, if you weren't here last week, you can pick up the archived lesson by going to our website, and you you will find it and, and all of the past messages there. As we move into today's lesson, I debated, okay, on this Mother's Day, should I speak about heaven or should I speak about hell? And as I thought about it, it just didn't seem quite appropriate to preach about hell on Mother's Day. Now, if it would have been Mother-in-Law Day, maybe so. And my mother-in-law, she's watching. Hey, Mom, I know you're watching there in Ohio, and I know you're yelling at me right now, and you're going to be blowing up my phone here in a little bit. I didn't bring it to service just because of that. But today... Rather than talking about hell, I, I want to talk to you about the incredible place called heaven. And I will freely admit that when we talk about heaven, this subject is way beyond my pay grade. 
And I don't have any inside information. Sometimes you look at me, well, as a pastor, you've got inside information. I don't have any inside information. The only information I have is what the Bible gives us. God didn't ask me to serve on the planning committee. He just invited me to send in my RSVP for the Marriage Supper of the Lamb, which I've done, and I hope you have as well. But anyway, on the lighter side, to ease into our topic, let me retell a worn-out joke about heaven. We couldn't have a message on heaven without a joke. But the Pope died, went to heaven, and as always happens in jokes about heaven, St. Peter is the one who meets people at the pearly gates. And I've always wondered why it's always St. Peter. I mean, why not John, who is Jesus' closest friend? Why not David, the one whom God said, man after my own heart? Why not Moses, whom God said was the most humble man on earth? But our jokes about heaven always give the job to St. Peter. But anyway, St. Peter met the Pope and said, Your Holiness, welcome to heaven. And, and the Pope just blurted out and said, Peter, one thing I've always wanted to see are the original manuscripts of the Scripture. Surely you must have the original document stored in the heavenly archives. And, and so St. Peter said, Yes, we, we actually do. And so he took him down a long hallway and showed him this room and, and said, They're in there, help yourself. And St. Peter left to go back to welcoming people at the pearly gates. Well, the Pope, he was just in awe for a little bit, and, and, and he couldn't believe he was seeing the original documents, the original Scripture. But as he looked at the Scriptures, all of a sudden he began to weep, and, and then his body began to shake, and, and it turned into wailing, and St. Peter heard it down the hallway and ran to see what was going on and said, Your Holiness, what, what's wrong? Why are you crying? And the Pope composed himself a little bit, and between sobs said, Peter, as I read the original manuscripts of the Scripture, I saw that all of these years I've been reading one word incorrectly. I, I realized that instead of the Bible saying celibate, it said celebrate. All of these wasted years. And if you children don't know what I'm talking about, just talk to Pastor Jim and he'll, uh, he'll help you out on that. Let's talk about heaven. And when it comes to our perception of, of heaven... I found that our theology of heaven is just about as messed up as that joke that I told. Listen to what some people think about heaven. They think that heaven will be this never-ending, eternal church service. And they imagine that everybody is there in robes and standing on these choir risers, singing in this huge heavenly choir, and, and there's this mammoth golden pipe organ that Wanda is playing, and and it's actually kind of cool to sing in this choir for a few years because everybody's singing on tune and on pitch. But, but then for those of us that are ADHD, you know, after a thousand or so years, we're like, wow, yeah, I got antsy singing four songs at the Church of God Holiness. And yeah, this is fun, but we are now on song 876,451. And I'm not sure I want to do this forever. Uh, that's their perception. Others, especially for those of you who are late bloomers, you view heaven as a place where you can just sleep in late every day. That appealed to anybody? You know, just lay in until noon. And then when you finally get up, you go to the Holy Grounds coffee shop to get your heavenly latte with French vanilla creamer. And you just kind of stroll the streets of gold like you stroll the streets of the Branson Landing. Others view heaven as a place where you can reserve a cloud for a day and take a float thr trip through space. Kind of like you would go on a float trip in Arkansas. Or you view heaven as a place where you can fish every day and, and play golf every day and 
and Jeff, where you can play pickleball every day. Now, now, if that stuff appeals to you, I'm happy for you. But I think heaven will be so much better than just singing in a choir or floating on a cloud or sleeping until noon every day. But all of that to say that we're really messed up when it comes to our theology of heaven. And I think part of the reason is that many people don't read their Bibles. And so they base their views of heaven on lame jokes like I just told you, or they base their view of heaven on a George Burns or Morgan Freeman movie about heaven. And I probably shouldn't have to say this, but I'm going to anyway. I do not recommend Hollywood as your source for correct information on the afterlife. All right? But thankfully, we do have a reliable source. And we're going to go to that source today, God's Word. Now let me try to lay a little bit of a foundation. And actually, before I do, I was trying to figure out how in the world do I approach this topic about heaven? And so I began thinking, okay, what is one experience that our families had that I could just say was heavenly, you know, couldn't get any better than that? And and we've had some really bad experiences as a family, but we've had some really good experiences that were just amazing. One of these, several years ago when our girls were still in, in school, high school, we hooked up our pop-up camper and headed west to Yosemite National Park. We drove straight through. That was in the days when we could do that. We traveled all day, traveled all night, and arrived at Yosemite about 24 hours later. We found a fairly secluded wilderness camping site and enjoyed several amazing and, and heavenly days where we saw waterfalls and wildlife and some of the most beautiful scenery in the world. How many of you have been to Yosemite National Park? Just raise your hand. A few of you, you've missed out on it, and now it's hard to get in. You've got to apply for, uh, it's almost like the lottery to be able to get in, and it's a draw, and, but back then you, you didn't have to do that. But right near the end of our stay, my oldest daughter, Erica, and I, we left the camper early one morning about 4 o'clock, headed to the base of a mountain called Half Dome. And as a father-daughter team, we, um, we made our way up that majestic mountain and, and together got to celebrate the summit of, of Half Dome. Besides a close encounter with a bear that kept wanting to be around us, and that made Erica a little jumpy, our climb on Half Dome, our stay in Yosemite was just heavenly. And when our family left Yosemite National Park, our thought was, I wish that could have lasted forever. And incidentally, in contrast to that experience on the way back to Missouri, we stopped in Las Vegas. We had never been to Vegas before, and I thought the Trussells needed to experience Vegas, and so we made a family pact that what went on in Vegas would stay in Vegas. But we were so turned off by Vegas, we had scheduled three days there, but after we had left the beauty of Yosemite National Park and found ourselves in Sin City, we couldn't get out of there fast enough. I kept having to drag Faith out of the casinos and not really. But we spent one night there, and that was way too long, and we left the very next day. But we look back to our stay at Yosemite that was so amazing, wishing that that would never, never end. Now, the truth of the matter is that not only will heaven be so much better than Yosemite National Park, but heaven will be infinitely 
indescribably better than anything we could ever imagine in our wildest dreams. Second, or 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 says it so well. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him. We can't comprehend it. And while I was preparing this lesson, the, the truth of that scripture just settled in on me. Because as hard as I tried, as, as I read, as I prayed, as I studied about heaven, as I studied the dimensions and the construction and the precious metals, as I read about the new and improved relationship we will have with God, even after hours and hours of trying to find a way to put this into words, into words there was a high degree of frustration because there was no way that my very finite mind could wrap itself around all of that. I don't have the vocabulary, I don't have the intelligence, I don't have the capacity to truly understand and communicate to you what heaven will be like. But let's see if God will help us to just grasp some very elementary facts about heaven. Now, it's no secret that the concept of heaven is under fierce attack in our society. And and to set this up, I want to remind you of a very important history lesson. Isaiah chapter 14 tells us about Lucifer, who is now known as the prince of darkness or Satan, the father of lies. We, we call him the devil. But at one time, Lucifer was actually one of God's highest and most influential angels. But he decided he wanted to be like God. And so in an attempted coup where he mustered up the support of a third of God's angels, he tried to overthrow God. The result was a cosmic conflict where God was victorious, ended up casting Satan, Lucifer, and those rebellious angels out of heaven. Well, since that time, Satan has had revenge on his mind. And part of Satan's revenge is to try to convince us that that hell is not as bad as we think. But by the same token, part of Satan's revenge is to attack the concept of heaven. And so as we unwrap our topic today, let me give you two lies that I believe Satan wants us to believe about heaven. That the first lie is that I believe Satan wants us to believe that heaven can wait. In other words, he wants us to get so wrapped up in the things of this world to where we begin to love the world and the things of this world. And we don't realize this, but when that happens, when we get so wrapped up in the things of this world, our hearts begin to drift more towards the things of earth rather than the things of heaven. So Satan is wanting us to think that this earth is good enough and heaven can wait. But then the second lie that Satan is trying to tell us is that all, or at least most people, are going to heaven. I mean, the majority of people in our country, the majority of people in our community believe that heaven is our default destination. They think that everyone who dies automatically goes to heaven, except for maybe in the rare occasion, you know, a serial killer, a really, really, really bad person, but besides that, they think everybody goes to heaven. But please realize, our default destination is not heaven. It's hell. We were all born sinners. The Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. The wages of sin is death. And unless we accept the gift of God's Son and turn from our sins, then it doesn't matter how good we were or how many times we were baptized or, or how often we went to church. We will not go to heaven. Salvation is by grace through faith, not of our own works. 
I read an interesting statistic, and, and, and I tried unsuccessfully to find the original source to verify this, but supposedly a study was conducted where they found that for every 120 people that believe they're going to heaven, only one person believes they're going to hell. 120 to heaven, one to hell. So what does this tell us? Does it tell us that society is getting better? No. It tells us that society is becoming more and more deceived. 120 to heaven, one to hell. Look at what Jesus said in Matthew 7, 13. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad. Its gate is wide for the many who choose the easy way. So according to Scripture, there will be many, many more people that will be on the road to hell rather than the road to heaven. And so heaven is not our automatic default destination. Now, for the rest of our time together, I want to I try to take a little peek into heaven. And thank you, Pastor Darren, for just setting this up with the songs that you chose today. And the book that probably gives us our best look into heaven is the book of Revelation. John, often referred to as John the Revelator, Revelator, had been exiled to the island of Patmos. And while there, he had a vision from the God of heaven. And let me read part of that vision. And, and pay attention to these verses because we're going to be making some observations after we read them. Revelation chapter 21, verse 1, reads like this. Then I saw a new heaven, catch this, a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. Have you ever thought about the sea? What's it referring to? Well, uh, experts, uh, scholars believe that there's a dual interpretation here. One is the literal sea, but also they believe that the sea represents turmoil. It, it represents storms. And he was saying those stormy, difficult times would be over. Verse 2. And I saw the holy city, <laughs> the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a beautiful bride prepared for her husband. I heard, pay attention to this, I heard a loud shout from the throne. Now, we, we need to stop here because this is really, really significant. I heard a loud shout. Some translations say a loud voice. Now, this is a phrase that is, is fairly, uh, used fairly frequently in the book of Revelation. In fact, I, I took some time, and I actually went through the book of Re Revelation, and I counted, personally counted, 18 times where th this phrase is, is used. I heard a loud voice or a loud shout. And, and almost every time, this loud shout, this loud voice preceded a very important announcement that was about to be made. And so here in verse 3, this is the 18th and final time this phrase appears. And, and this loud shout precedes an announcement that is so big, it's huge. In fact, as I studied this, as I began to understand how big this announcement was, as I began to understand how wonderful this announcement was, I, I, I got chills up and down my spine. Here it is. Here it is. I heard a loud shout. 
saying, look, the home of God is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will remove all of their sorrows and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain for the old world. And listen, and its evils are gone forever. What an amazing announcement. And there's so much to unpack here. Get comfortable. Let me make a feeble attempt to bring out a few observations. First, in verse 1, it says that God will establish a new heaven and a new earth. Now, I wish I could give you complete details of the new heaven and the new earth, but, but, but I can't because I don't know a lot of details. But this very same God who offers us new life in Christ, this very same God who will give us a new and resurrected and glorified body, this same God says that following the return of Jesus and following the 1,000-year millennial reign, he will establish a new heaven and a new earth. And do you realize the Old Testament even talks about it? In, in Isaiah 65, 17, it says, Look, I'm creating new heavens and a new earth so wonderful that no one will even think about the old ones anymore. And then listen to another scripture in the New Testament, 2 Peter 3.13, but we are looking forward to the new heavens and new earth he has promised. So scripture declares that there will be the creation of a new heavens and a new earth. And even though I don't understand a lot about this, let me tell you a couple of things I do understand. Here's what I understand. Everything in this world is currently under the curse of sin. Our our bodies suffer from the curse of sin. That's why we get sick so often. That's why we've had over 6 million people die globally from COVID. That's why we lost, that's why Judy lost her 55-year-old husband this past week. That's that's why Twyla lost her 33-year-old son a couple of weeks ago. That's why we have colds and allergies and aches and pains. Our bodies suffer from the curse of sin. Our minds also suffer from the curse of sin. That's why we forget things and don't understand things. And, and at times just seem to be surrounded with brain fog. It's the curse of sin. The plant world is under the curse of sin. That's why all of a sudden a plant or a tree will just turn brown and die. It's under the curse of sin. The animal kingdom suffers from the curse of sin. That's why we have to be wary of of ticks and chiggers and and poisonous snakes and vicious animals. It's the curse of sin. The weather is even under the curse of sin. That's why you have tornadoes and droughts and floods. This past week I was talking with the, uh, the mayor of Stockton and he was telling me that he and others in the area lost some cows that floated away and they drowned in the floodwaters from the torrential rains of Wednesday. That's the curse of sin. But when the curse of sin is removed, then you will be looking at a new world. A world where there is true harmony and peace and security and intimacy and fellowship. And we've all heard this scripture. Um, If you've ever been to New York City, to the UN building. Anybody ever been to the UN building there in New York City? uh, Maybe a couple of you have. Um, You will see part of this sign on on the the front of the building And one day this will be reality in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 6. In that day, the wolf and the lamb will live together. 
You can't comprehend that right now, can you? The leopard and the goat will be at peace. Calves and yearlings will be safe among lions. And a little child will lead them all. Come here, kitty, kitty. The cattle will graze among bears. Cubs and calves will lie down together. And lions will eat grass, as the livestock do. Babies will crawl safely among poisonous snakes. Yes, a little child will put its hand in a nest of deadly snakes and pull it out unharmed. So the new heavens and the new earth will see the curse of sin removed. And it will be a place of peace and rest. And one more aspect before we move on, and I'm not going to take much time here because frankly, this is not the best part of heaven, even though that's what you think about. If I would ask you, what, what, what do you think about heaven? What are some things you're looking forward to seeing in heaven? And you would probably mention this, but, but these are not the best part of heaven. These are just side benefits that will amaze us. But this is not what heaven is about. But, but in this new heaven, the Bible gives some pretty amazing word pictures of the physical beauty. Streets of transparent gold, jewels, rare and expensive precious metals, gates of pearl, beauty we can't come close to comprehending. The new Jerusalem will be so far beyond our wildest dreams. But again, that's not the best part of heaven, even though that's the most mentioned part. Here's something else about heaven. In that big announcement, remember a big announcement. Loud shout. Verse 4 tells us that God will do away with all death and sorrow and pain. L- let me read this because I think some of you need to be comforted by these words. Revelation 21 4. He will remove all their sorrows. And there will be no more death <laughs> or sorrow. Or crying. Or pain. For the old world and its evils are gone forever. What does that mean? Well, when I was preparing this lesson, I began thinking about this. I said, Lord, how can I make this scripture come alive to us? And how can I help us understand a world without death and sorrow and pain? That's all we understand. Those things are so ingrained within us. And what can I say to help us get a glimpse of a world without death and sorrow and pain? And would, you, would you allow me to take a hillbilly approach to this? Is that all right? I think we're in hillbilly country. So let me just say it this way. We're going to start at the beginning of the alphabet. Heaven means no more aggravation, no more agitation, no more AIDS, no more addictions and even no more athlete's foot. Let's go to the bees. Heaven means no more backaches. Thought somebody would say, hallelujah. No more backaches, bitterness, broken bones, broken homes, bad business meetings. And thank God it means no more baldness nor bunions. It means no more cancer, cemeteries, crime, complaining, car wrecks, crutches, and chiggers. I'm telling you, this is a hillbilly approach. It means no more death, divorce, deceit, 
depression, disappointments, and even dandruff. If we go through the rest of the alphabet, this could take a while. This means no more funerals, fighting, fussing, feuding, fault-finding, Facebook, and false teeth. No more garbage, goodbyes, guilt, and gout. No more heart attacks, hospitals, high blood pressure, and hearing aids. No more incest, insects, and insurance. I didn't know what else to say, so no more idiots. So we don't stay here all day, skipping on down to the letter S. No more sickness, sorrows, sinus infections, selfishness, stealing, and sweat. No more toothaches, trials, ticks, Twitter, and toupees. W, no more war, wasps, weaknesses. Weirdos and wackos. (laughs) Furthermore, some of you are worried sick about your job and your finances and the economy. Those worries will be gone. For those of you who have been burned by someone and you find it difficult to trust people, no more sin in relationships, no more babies dying around the world because of lack of nourishment, no more genocide. And then any tear that you have shed for whatever reason, and this is wonderful, The Bible says that in verse 4, God, God himself will come and comfort you and personally wipe away every tear. Can you imagine? The God of the universe, creator, Lord of all, coming to you and wiping away your tears. God will do away with all the effects of the curse of sin. There's another observation I want to make from the scripture that that I want to make from the scripture we read. And this is the best of the best. This is the one that brought chills for me in my office. And uh, Ryan, if we could have a drum roll, uh, it, it would really be now. Now would be the time. But, but, but heaven again is not about the gold. It's not about the gates of pearl. It's not about the beauty of all the precious metals. It's not about floating on a cloud. It's not experiencing a life of ease, getting to sleep in late every day. But the best part of heaven is that verse 3 says, God himself will dwell among us. Now, understand what this means. This will be a drastic change from the way it currently is. On earth today... God is omnipresent. That, all that means is He's everywhere. He, he dwells with us, but we can only see Him. We can only feel Him in a very limited way. We, we have access to God, but we're unable to experience God in His complete glory. And, and let me explain this. When you look back to the Old Testament in Exodus thirty-three twenty, it says that no one could look upon God and live. And so therefore, when Moses said, God, I want to see you, I want to see your glory, God said, Moses, uh-uh. You couldn't handle it. But God said, Moses, here's, here's what I'll do. Um, I'm going to pass by you. I'm going to give you a glimpse of myself through what theologians call an anthropomorphism. And you don't need to remember this word. But it basically is giving human attributes to God. You know, God is a spirit. And so 
like Casper the Friendly Ghost, and we, we, we don't even understand a spirit. And, and so, um, to, to, you know, to be able to kind of understand God, even just a little bit, we, we've got to do so through human attru- attributes, and that, that's the anthropomorphism. So, so God said, Moses, I'm going to give you a glimpse of me, but here's what you'll have to do. You're going to need to go and bury your face in the side of the mountain. And then I'm going to put my hand over you. And as I pass by you, I'll move my hand just a little bit and let you see just a little tiny bit of my glory because anymore you couldn't handle it. And do you remember what happened? When Moses saw just a tiny bit of God's glory, it put such a a glow on Moses' face so that when he came down the mountain to the rest of the Israelites that were waiting for him, they couldn't look on his face. And they said, oh, Moses, your face is hurting our eyes. Not because it was ugly. It was, there was the glory of God. He said, Moses, you're going to have to put a veil over your face until that glory, brightness fades away. But anyway, this helps us to understand that up to now, we've not been able to see God's full glory. But here in the book of Revelation, after that 18th and and final loud shout that signals a a, a big history-changing announcement, God tells us that our glorified bodies would be new and improved and be able to handle seeing God's glory, and God would live among us. And then one chapter later, this is awesome. Yesterday, Saturday, as I was doing some final prep, I read this and tears came to my eyes. Revelation 22, 3 says, No longer will anything be cursed. Remember, the curse of sin will be over. For the throne of God and the Lamb will be there, and His servants will worship Him. And listen, and they will see His face. Up to that point, seeing God's face would have meant sudden death. But when we have our new and improved bodies, not only will God's home be among his people, but now we will be able to look upon God's face and see all of his glory. And please understand, this is what heaven is about. Again, it's not about singing in the heavenly choir or walking the streets of gold. It's not about mansion over a hilltop. It's not even about eating that wonderful food at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Those are fringe benefits. But heaven is about God making his home among us and being able to see his glory, being able to see his face. And so no wonder that big and important announcement was preceded with a loud shout. God will make his home among us. We will see his face in all of his glory. And I believe in that moment, when you see his face, when you fully see his goodness, when you see his full glory, you see his full mercy, you see his full grace, at that moment, all of his character and attributes that we haven't been able to fully comprehend because he's spirit, I believe they will become real to us. And I have a feeling we will look upon him and begin worshiping him in a new way and at at a new level. and, and, And we will say, oh God, you are my rock and you are my salvation. And you are my redeemer. You are my righteousness. You are my comforter. You are my sanctifier. You are everything I've ever wanted and needed. And you're my Jehovah Jireh. 
the Lord will provide. You are my Jehovah Nissi, the Lord our banner. You are my Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. You are my Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is my peace. And at that moment, our worship will be more pure than ever before. And we will worship, and at year 10,000, I wonder if the words of amazing grace will take on new meaning. You know, when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we've first begun. What a great and glorious day is coming for those who place their trust in Jesus and have repented and turned from their sins and have been faithful. But again, don't forget, heaven's under attack. And your spiritual enemy wants you to think that heaven can wait. You know, just live for today. Live for things. Let it all be about you. Yeah, heaven one day, but not now. Just have a good time here on earth. Satan says heaven can wait. And don't forget that Satan is wanting you to believe that, yeah, everybody's going to heaven. Unless you're just really, really bad, but nobody in this area. For those without Christ, for those that are pretending, may the Holy Spirit of God burn an eternal message upon us that today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. And for those of us who are in Christ, may we store up treasures in heaven and live for the day when we hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. So, so this morning, let's just take inventory. Uh, heaven is a real place. It's an amazing place. But we need to make sure that we've had an encounter with the living God. We've repented and turned from our sins so that we can be ready. Would you bow your heads, please? Father, I pray that today you would just begin to zero in on us. We've rejoiced, and it's easy to get happy and blessed whenever we talk about heaven. But God, help us to understand the two lies of Satan. Heaven can wait. And everybody goes to heaven. Those are two lies that he tells. Lord, for those people here today that maybe are not right with you, maybe they've been right, but they've kind of slipped back in some bad ha habits, bad, bad patterns, addictions. Father, I pray that today you would give them hope. Give them hope that through the grace of God, there is power to turn from their ways. Lord, I pray that you would give us honesty. Don't, don't just let us kind of slide through this series here and not make an impact on us, but I pray, God, that you would give us honesty, that we would consider, Lord, that we would consider where we really are and because what we do with our life today determines our life tomorrow. Pray that you would help us to be ready. Lord, just give us honesty right now, I pray. Before I finish the prayer, maybe there's somebody here that would just lift a hand and say, Pastor, God has really spoken to me today. Is there anybody that would just lift a hand and say, thank you, I see your hand. 
Anybody else? God has really spoken to me today. I see your hand. Thank you. Thank you. You can put it down. I'm going to just ask you to stand. I'm not going to take long. But is there anybody that would like to just come and, you know, we're not about embarrassing. You don't have to confess your sins. But is there anybody here today that would just like to come forward to the altar and some people gather around you and just help you through whatever you're going through? Maybe a rough patch. Maybe some sin that you're struggling with. But you just need the body of Christ right now. Is there anybody that would like to just come forward and kneel at the steps and pray? Anybody just before we finish our prayer and go to Sunday school? Father, I pray that we would be we would be ready. Lord, let the excitement build that big announcement that just tells us what's coming up. God will live among us. We will be his people. New heavens, new earth, new body, no sorrows. God, let that just settle in. But help us to understand that's not default. We have to make plans for that. Lord, thank you again for your word that just gives us hope. Your word is amazing. Thank you for blessing my heart. And God, as we leave here, would you just continue to build in our hearts. Lord, uh, heaven is there. We need to be ready. Thank you for your presence, your goodness, your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. You're dismissed. You've been listening to the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Our messages are archived at www.eldochurch.com or to order compact discs or DVD videos of the messages, call the church at 417-876-2200. Thank you for listening.